So over the course of our conversations, I've come to see, I think this group is a group that likes to travel quite a bit. I, I've heard of many people taking lots of nice trips. So what, what are some of the trips you guys have taken this last year? What are some of the, what are some of the trips? Where, where are some of the places you've gone? Holly, Richard, you just got back from a trip. Where'd you go? Florida. Florida. Okay. All right. Where'd you guys go? Alaska. Now that's a trip. That's a ways. Wow. Where else? Where else are some of the places you guys have gone? I've heard, I've heard of some good ones, some good traveling. Cleveland? Yeah? Oh, cool. Well, great. I, yeah, I, I've never been to Cleveland. Maybe it's amazing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Mexico. Very cool. Yes. How about you guys? Your parents went to Hawaii? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Colorado. That sounds cool. All right. Some, some good places, good places. When you go on these different trips... Have you guys learned, and we don't need to get into too many details of it now, but you, have you heard some kind of, have you learned some kind of tricks to traveling? Tricks to the journey? Have you learned some, some tra- kind of travel tips? You got some? Yeah? Don't bring your kids. Don't <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one travel tip. I think part of the, some of the people here might disagree with that one. Prefer, probably the kids. <laughs> so there's a travel tip. I'm sure you guys have had plenty of others, ones that you've learned along the way. Things to do, not do. Yeah, I know. So we didn't go anywhere like terribly far this summer, but we do, uh, you know, as you guys know, we do a lot of camping. And like when I, you guys have seen the Charlie Barron skit, he, the, the Manitowoc Minute guy, where he like has the guy who packs up the back of the truck and everything's in there perfectly and then realizes the tent isn't in there. And then he's got to unpack all this. This is me every time we go camping, right? As I, I was just pack it in just like totally each part. And then, but now by the end of the summer, I've got it figured, I got a system. I got to figure it out, which I will probably forget entirely by next, you know, April when we go again. But you can learn as you go with these journeys. And we're going to do that a bit today. Not by looking at our journey, um, although we did get some advice already here this morning. So you can take that to heart if you like, you know. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to look at Abra- Abram's journey. We're going to look at where God takes Abraham and, and what he does with Abraham and as we do so, we can get some for our journey as well. As we look at this lesson, so a reminder, we are in a final leg of this Living Our Lives of Faith series, this sanctification series. Abraham is the second person in this final leg that we are looking at. We're going to look at his life and then draw applications to our own lives and see how God is taking us on the incredible journey. The lesson we have is Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 to 9. So, so Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now, our lesson today fasts us forward a bit from where we were last week, at least in in the biblical story. There's a fair amount of time that that takes place here, but it's pretty short in the biblical account. Last week, we talked about and any of the kids remember? Who did we talk about last year? Do you remember? I'm going to put you on the spot. Who, who was it? We talked about Noah last week. Awesome. Kids like to talk about Noah, so that's why I thought I'd put you on the spot. All right, yeah. Talked about Noah last week. 
And we talk about how he was this man who his life is really defined by being obedient, which is really at its core about walking with God, believing in God, and then simply just doing what God has called you to do and, and doing what God has laid out before you. Like I said, there's a fair, there's some time that that passes between Noah and our lesson today. Um, we don't have a lot of different details of various different events, but there's one main one that we need to highlight that takes place between Noah and Abram is that God had really increased the population of people again after flood on the earth. And there came to this point now where all the people were gathering together and instead of going throughout the world the way God had called us to do, and instead of being obedient and going and spreading throughout the world, the people came together and built this big city and this big tower. And we're told that they wanted to make a name for themselves and reach a tower, make a tower that reached the heavens. This is what we call the, the Tower of, of Babel. And this is the event where God came down and God then confused their languages so that they couldn't communicate well with each other, which then scattered them throughout the world. So as a result of this, you have the people scattering throughout the world. But I, I highlighted that line, make a name for ourselves, because when you see that line and then look at the call that God then gives to Abram, you can see all the more, this is a dot that I didn't even necessarily put together before until I was rereading this section this week, how what God does through Abram is the solution or basically like the counter to what was happening with the people at Babel. Because in that previous verse, when we were looking at the people at Babel, they said that they would make their own a name for themselves, right? That they were going to do it their own way. They were going to build their own tower. They had their own idea of how to be great and reach the heavens, Well, with Abram, God says, I am going to make your name great. Instead of the people doing it their own way, having their own plan, building this building and going about it this way, God says, I have my own way I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to carry out a plan. I'm going to take you on a journey, and then I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Abram is this this man who has this incredible calling where instead of people saying, we're going to do it our way, God says, I have my own way, and I'm going to do it through you. It's like the counterpoint to the Tower of Babel. I've mentioned a couple times, by the way, the Abram, Abraham name thing. Um, There comes a point where God tweaks his name and adjusts his name and Sarai's name, basically to to adjust it to say that he is now the father of many, like the father of many nations. So early on, it's Abram. Later on, it's Abraham. And then thousands of years later, I, my last name is Abraham's son. What do you know? So there we go. It all, it all ties, it all ties together and works together. But here's this man that we are looking at today, this man who God has called as this kind of counterpoint. This God, this man God has called to be the solution, or at least to work through, I should say, to bring the solution to humankind's problem, to sin, to pride, to self-righteousness. God's going to bring this solution eventually through Abraham and his line. Now, when we get to our lesson today and we get to that immediate context for our, our, our lesson, we read that verse about how Teros, that'd be Abram's father, set out for this land called Haran, um, or excuse me, set out for Canaan, and then they went to this land called Haran, and it's there in Haran that our lesson picks up. But what's interesting, when you read in the New Testament, when uh, this is when Stephen is referring back in the book of Acts, back to this event, Stephen talks about and really highlights that God had actually appeared to Abram back in Mesopotamia before they got to Haran. 
So you might be going, okay, you're throwing out a lot of words, a lot of tight names and things to me. What, why is that significant? The reason why this matters is when we get to our lesson today where it talks about God calling Abram, his journey as a result of the call has actually already begun. Like he already, God actually spoke to Abram back in Mesopotamia. It says that he's now moved to Haran. God had already called him prior to this. So in other words, we are kind of picking up mid-journey for Abram at this point. We're getting to our lesson today. Abram is already progressing in the journey. He had settled with his father in Haran for a bit, but that was really in the direction, a step towards the land that God had promised him. His journey was already in motion. And that's significant for us because as we get here today, realize that as we are talking about the journey God has us on, you are already, your journey is already in motion. Like your life is, 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 is moving somewhere. It is going somewhere. You might not be moving from a chair, but you're moving to the next moment, to the next minute. Your life is going somewhere. And as a Christian especially, your life is certainly on the move somewhere. When we are brought to faith in Christ, and Philippians chapter 3 talks about how we press onward towards the heavenward prize, you are on a journey toward the gift that God has given you of a place and of a life that is free from everything sad and broken and messed up of this world. You are on a journey towards heaven, a journey towards eternity, a journey towards resurrection, a journey towards the, the, the life and the world to come. You are on a journey already. Whether you've thought about it or not or, or really had that in your mind or not, you have been moving, your life is going somewhere. And thankfully in Christ, your life is going towards eternal life with him. And so just like our story picks up with Abram kind of partways into his journey, today as we think about your journey, your, your journey's already begun. We're already partways into your journey. So you're not going to start a journey today. You're on one. So now, where do we go from here? Where do we go today? And how do you embrace the incredible journey? All right, so when we get into our lesson, we're told that Abram left. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. By the way, I can't help but think, so he took his nephew with him. He didn't have any kids to take with him, but he took his nephew. Apparently he needed to take your advice, leave, it, leave the, the young ones behind. Um, Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So God had called Abram to go out to this new land, to this land called Canaan. And when Abram goes, what does he take with him? Everything. Right? He doesn't just leave some back. I'm like, okay, just in case I go back, I'm going to leave some things. I'm going to leave some servants back here, you know, in case I need to go back. He takes everything he has, his family who is with him, and he takes it all, and he picks it up, and he leaves and goes. This is the Christian journey. It's, it's, it's an all-in life journey. I think I mentioned it here before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Is one of my pet peeve statements when people say that I want God to be part of my life. And God doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants to give you a whole new life. He wants to pick you up from where you are and take you to a place that is better, to a life that is better. So the Christian walk is not just... A, a, a sort of walk or leaving some things behind in case I go back. The Christian walk is an all-in journey 
to where God has taken us. It's an all-in journey as we walk through a land, well, that can be a bit challenging at times. We're told that when Abram traveled, he traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morat Shechem. But then here's the, the, the kind of key phrase right here for us. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. I remember growing up as a, as a kid in the church and knowing that there's this promised land that, that you know, the, the Israelites are going to go into. And it never really clicked to me that it wasn't vacant. You know, like I kind of had this idea that it was just like this empty place, like this empty field, and they're just going to go move in and all is going to be good. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that there are people there. There are people, there are nations, and they're not just going to be like, go ahead, Israel, have it. Sure. There are people living in the land that Abraham is going into. Now, just imagine what you would feel like walking in, like moving into a, a land and knowing that God said to you, all right, this land is going to be yours, which means it's not going to be theirs. <laughs> how, does, how do you feel interacting with these people? How, how, what do you think they're going to think of you? Like, just, you ever been into a room when you, like, you can get a feel that like, maybe somebody doesn't want you there or somebody doesn't necessarily like you or maybe at least you have that fear? Like, this Abram's picking up, moving into the promised land and there's Canaanites all around him and, he, and he's coming into this land. Which, by the way, you might go, wait a minute, so God's got to evict those people from the land? That's actually part of the promise. It's not just that God's going to give his people a promised land, but one of the things that God brings out is that, that when he brings the people into the promised land and they drive out those other nations, that's actually part of justice against those nations uh, because those nations were doing some terrible things, child sacrifice, a lot of horrible stuff. And so Israel coming into the land was partly giving them the gift of the land, but also God working through them to bring justice against all the things happening in the land. So Abram and his family are moving to this land, and it's hostile territory. There's other people there that, that what, is, what is it like to be around all these different people? As we think about that for Abram's journey, realize that's our journey too. Because if you are living, if you are living for the world to come, and if you and I are living for the resurrection, we're living for the day that Jesus returns and deals with everything broken and wrong about this world, that means that we are no longer living the way of this world. We're living for the day that Jesus comes and puts an end to this world as we know it. We're living for a world that's different, that's better, that's more beautiful, which means we are now, as people who are brought to faith in Christ, foreigners in this world, in this land. We're in a foreign place, which means sometimes there's going to be opposition. Sometimes there's going to be challenges. And actually, the Sunday of the church here is a reminder of that as we think about it, and as we talked about uh, briefly before the service today, we think about that day that we're so thankful for a little over 500 years ago when Martin Luther um, posted those 95 theses. And, and this is a, that's a, that event is a great reminder that we are living in a world that is hostile to God. The church was suppressing the truth of God's word. And he had to speak up, or he took the opportunity, I should say, and the boldness to speak up and to do something about it. We're living in a world where there's hostile forces at work. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about how our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world. There are powers working against us in this world, which means there may be times where you've got to do like what Martin Luther did, and you've got to stand up and you've got to speak up. And it might be challenging. There might be, there might be forces working against you in the world, in the church. 
Like, we are living in a world where there's hostile forces because we're in a foreign land. But we're willing to go through this world and go against these hostile forces because God has got us on an incredible journey. Because God is taking us somewhere, just like he took Abram. See, if our lesson, it says that the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. When I, when I look at that promise that God gave Abram, Abram I like, I, if I was Abram, I think at that point, I probably would have been like, wait, wait, wait. Who's getting it? My offspring? Not me? Like, I'm here in this land. Why am I here if, if it's not me who's getting it? You know what I mean? Like, God brings him into this land. He's like, all right, Abraham, come into this land, and I'm going to give it to your offspring. Wait a minute. I'm the one here. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being selfish, me, but I just feel like I'd be like, wait a minute. Like, I'm the one here, and I'm not going to get it right now? Somebody else is going to get it? My descendants are going to get it? I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a selfish guy, but I, f- I have a feeling that I wouldn't be the only one feeling that way. But this journey that God has Abraham in, and, and, and eventually recognize that Abraham would benefit from this, but it's not in that immediate way that we n- normally think about it. It's not like God brought him into the land and then immediately said, here, you have it, you have a whole nation of people and all this. This was part of a journey. Abram was part of a journey. That's the thing. Is it, it, God had brought Abram on a journey, but the reality is it's not so much about the Abram's journey, but Abram's life is now actually really about God's journey. See, God had chosen Abram as a part of his plan how at some point to use Abram to at some point bring a nation called Israel into this land for the purpose of someday bringing a savior from that nation who would defeat everything broken and evil about this world by dying on a cross and rising again in order to heal the whole world. See, that's the thing. God had a, had a journey for Abram, but the whole point of Abram's journey was to bring Abram on the journey that God was really bringing us all on. Abram was part of a bigger journey. He was part of God's journey. He was part of how God was going to heal the whole world. The promise, I'm going to give you this land, I'm going to bring you into this land, was not primarily just about, I'm going to give you an immediate gift right now. He gave him plenty of small gifts. But it ultimately was about a bigger plan where he would give the land to his descendants, who then eventually from those descendants would come the man, Jesus, who would give hope and healing to all of us. When we think about this incredible journey that we're on, it's important that we recognize that, like Abram, the ultimate point of this journey it's not about God giving us something right here immediately. I mean, God gives us blessings every day. He, he provides us. We're going to have, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. Hopefully it's sunny later today. We have beautiful blessings on these days. But this is ultimately not where we, it's not the point of the journey. Today is not necessarily where we receive the ultimate blessings. We live in light of the ultimate blessings, but we are actually part of a bigger journey. A bigger journey where you're looking forward to what God is going to give us next. What God is going to give us in his time and his way. And we're embracing that we are part of a larger journey of what God is doing 
as a part of his plan of rescuing the world. It's not just about the journey God has us on, but rather that we are on his journey of what he is doing. It's a bigger journey. It's a bigger story. And these next couple of verses remind us of that. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. There's a lot of names in here, and you might go, well, why is that significant, and why did he go from where, where he went? I'm not exactly sure why Abram went here first, and then here, and then here, but I just can't help but notice when you look at this, something significant about these names, is that some of these names were not actually given to these places yet when Abram went there. Like he went, like imagine coming through Fort Atkinson, 500 years ago, you would have been in this spot, but it wouldn't have been called Fort Atkinson, right? Some of these places that are mentioned here, when Abram goes through, are not given these titles yet. They're called this later. Why do, are they, why do they use these, these titles then? Because these places mean something to the audience reading them. You and I, they're kind of distant for us, but for the people reading them. So Moses wrote first five books of the Bible. So the people of Israel, all these names would have meant something. Not just in that they would have known where they were, but each of these places are significant for God's people. Let me give you just a couple examples. Bethel, the place of Bethel, that's the place, there's that Bible story of Jacob, a descendant of Abraham, of Abraham going off and he had you know, cheated his brother Esau. He's going off, he's afraid for his life. He's sleeping on a rock which sounds incredibly uncomfortable. And then he has this dream that inspires a song by Led Zeppelin, right? He has this dream where there's the stairway to heaven, right? And, and, and he says, surely God was in this place. The name Bethel means something. Abram was there, but then also Jacob was there. And, and then God's people would see this place. And as they see this place, they see generations of God working in these places. The seed of Ai has some other meaning too, more, more directly for the people in, in, in the generations after Moses, partly because that's the place where, so after the, the Israelite people defeated Jericho, there's someone who didn't listen to what God said. And so as a result, their next battle was a terrible failure. And they figured out what had happened, that someone had taken from the stuff that God had told them not to take. And so then they, they repented, they took care of that. And then when they went to that city next, then they, they conquered and they defeated it. All these places that are mentioned here, they are very significant for generations to come because they become places where the stories of God's people happen. Why does that matter for us? You have no idea how significant your journey will be today for generations to come. You know, I just, I kind of wonder today, like, you know, as we are, you know, we still, we're still in these beginning phases of this, this time we're minister, or having our worship space here in this location, Fort Atkinson, right? What will happen in this community in generations to come because of what we're doing today? What generation later will drive past this place later and say, that's where Abiding Shepherd started in Fort Atkinson? You know, I don't, you know, what, what, what? We, what, we do, what we're doing today, the journey God has brought us on today has an impact on generations. I mean, and we're, today we're too, we're talking, like, it's Reformation Sunday, right? Do you think Martin Luther, when he posted that, that 
those 95 theses had any idea that 504 years later people would be talking about it? I don't think that was even on his mind. Yeah, he knew something needed to be done and he worked on it. Same sort of thing with us. What we do, God can have an impact on generations. Your journey is about not just you, but it's really God has brought you on his journey, which is a part of his big plan to bring healing to the world, but also to impact other Christians and maybe even generations afterwards. The journey you are on is God's journey according to his plan for eternity and for the people coming after us. Who knows what role we're playing or how significant this part of the journey will be for those journeying after us. It's really God's journey and what God's doing, which is maybe part of why we see a repeated theme in the verses that we have today. If you look at verses 7 and 8, we're told that the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then in verse 8, From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel in the west and I in the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. In these two different spots, when Abram gets there, what does he do? He builds an altar, which is a place to meet with God and worship God. He gets to these different spots, and, and, and what does he do? He stops and worships God. Why? It, it, it makes sense because God was with him on that journey. God had appeared to him. God was providing for him. And that makes sense because, remember, this is really ultimately God's journey that Abram is on. Every step of that journey, God was working because it was really the journey that God had brought Abram on as a part of God's big journey of a plan for this world. Every step of the journey, God was with Abram, and, God, and Abram could stop and worship the Lord. And the same is true for us. This incredible journey we're on, you're walking as God is guiding you. And you can stop and you can worship and he is here and he is with you because you are on the journey that he is taking you on. And wherever you are on this journey, you can stop. You don't have to build an altar, praise the Lord, because I can't build much. But I can stop and I can pray and I can praise. Because the Lord is with us on this journey. Because it's really his journey that he's bringing us on. It's this incredible journey. Now, as we think about this incredible journey and stopping to worship God, we've got to be honest that sometimes we don't really want to embrace this journey. You know, like, like this whole idea of going and, and living, leaving behind the life of comfort, the life that we knew, and living for something different is, is maybe sounds nice. It sounds like, yeah, I want to live for something better. But then how often do we just kind of gravitate back towards the things that we, that we know aren't good for us? You know, those things that, that, that are destructive. It's, it's for whatever reason. It's very easy for us, not for whatever reason. I know the reason. It's our sinful nature. Where sometimes we're like, no, nah, we don't really want to go on the journey God has for us. We'd rather just stay doing things our own way. You know, it, it's a lot easier to, or feels more comfortable sometimes for us to be in the driver's seat of our lives, or at least to think we are, to try to be in control, or to try to sketch out our own path. You know, like, God, we want things to go this way. Or to think today, you know, to, to stop and go, God, where do you want me to go? How do you want this to go? That is more challenging than to just do whatever we want to do today. You know, we, we kind of just want to go on our own path, our own journey sometimes. It's easier for us to do it. It feels more comfortable for us to do it, to just get up and 
I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to go how I want. I want things to go how I want them to go, which is maybe why so often on this journey, we end up feeling alone sometimes or stuck because we're trying to go on a journey that is our own and it's not the one that God has laid out for us. But that's why the, the, the good news and the, and the beauty of this, this, what this journey is all about is so important for us. To remember that this journey was not primarily about giving Abram this promised land. That this journey, or at least not that initial promised land, it's the ultimate promised land. This journey was about God ultimately bringing hope and healing for this world. And your journey too is ultimately about Jesus about what Jesus has done on the cross, that you, it's not about us doing enough for God or, or, or being strong enough to go where God leads us. It's about the fact that Jesus went on a journey for us, that he lived that perfect life for us, that he paid for us our sins on the cross, that he died and took all the justice for those sins, that he rose again to give a new life to us. Our journey is ultimately about what Jesus has done for us and now what the Holy Spirit wants to do by leading us forward. Your journey is not about how well we always remember how incredible it is. It's not about how well we always listen and obey. And actually, if you want to keep reading on in the Abram story after this lesson, you're going to see a good example of that. Abram goes down to Egypt, and he just doesn't even trust God very well. He doesn't, he just, he kind of fails miserably in some ways. But God still carried out his promise for Abram. And God still carries out his promise for you. Because Jesus still died and because his Holy Spirit is here. And if you're believing in Jesus today, that means the Spirit is in you and he is leading you. Because this journey is not ultimately about you, but it's about the journey that God has called you on. Which makes it now so that you and I today, we can say, okay, we're on a journey. And you have the, op- you have the opportunity now to embrace. All right, am I going to live? Am I going to take hold of this incredible journey? Am I going to really embrace? You get the opportunity today to really embrace that you are leaving behind the broken way of this world and you get to step forward by the power of the Spirit and live for something better. Know that you are living for the life and the world to come. And you get to embrace that that means now that sometimes you're going to feel like you don't fit in this world anymore. And that's actually a good sign. It may be challenging, it may be difficult. You may even need to speak up and knock on some doors. I'm not telling you to go do like door-to-door evangelism. I'm talking like knock on doors to like stir up some, <laughs> you know, there's something wrong here. We got to talk about it. You might, need, you might be called to do that. You might see an opportunity to do that. We get to embrace this life where we are living as a part of a journey that isn't primarily just about us, but about something bigger. We get to be part of a journey that impacts generations. A journey where we know God is with us every step because it's ultimately about his work and what he's doing by him sending his son and by him sending his spirit. Today, we get to step forward in faith and we get to embrace the incredible journey.